What's up, ladies and gentlemen? The Podfather Nate here from the Journey into Comics podcast, the flagship show of the Journey into Comics network. I just want to make sure you guys know you can tune in every single Monday for a brand new episode of our show, where if it's comic book related, we've got you covered. What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey Into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. J.I. Duck! J.I. Duck! J.I. Duck! Cero miedo! Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath! I got the whole damn world in my hands! Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprises! Come on, man. No more questions, not that damn What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's Journey into Wrestling, Season 4, Episode 18. I am your host, Nate, and today joining me, he's been stalking me in the bushes just like DDP did to Undertaker's wife back in 2001. <laughs> Welcome to the show yet again, Buckles! I I have nothing to come after that. I have, I have no response to that. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I don't God. know why that just popped in there. I do know why it popped in there. We'll get to that next episode. Right. No, know. I that still stands out to me as one of the worst gimmick ideas I think I may have ever heard. But hey, this is this is this is the life in the way of Vince McMahon. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, definitely. But uh, so yeah. To quickly touch on next episode, just to spend the five seconds of not being elusive to our audience. Welcome to this episode. This is episode eighteen of season four. I'm Nate. That's Buckles. We're yep. here doing our thing. Next week on episode 419, we're going to be doing our You Got the Book segment. I wanted to do it for this week's episode, but I have been buckles. I've been taking myself back to church. I'm I'm impressed. I'm legitimately impressed with your dedication on this one. Okay, so I told you guys, I think, last episode that I wanted to do a You Got the Books on the invasion angle. Mm-hmm. It's got a very special spot in my heart. I will never forget the day that I found out WCW had been bought out by WWF at the time. And everything that took place after that were like series of weirdness and letdowns and not quite what it could have been. It was good. Right. Had a lot of really bright spots that they used. But it could have been something different. It's definitely a product of the times. Had creative control not been an issue. And let's not let's not discount Vince being petty as hell as well. Absolutely. And I think there's much larger, much more grandiose story to tell. So instead of just being like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll kind of just wing it and bullshit my way through what I know history is because I'm a fan of wrestling. Instead, 
I'm going through one by one every Monday Night Raw from March 26, 2001 through every pay-per-view and then into the Invasion angle and ultimately the Invasion pay-per-view. So I know fully everything we're working with here because there's it's really weird to think about this, Buckles, mm-hmm. and I want to get your thoughts. Strangely enough, from March to the Invasion angle, while there is some bad and weirdness that happens within the things and the creative decisions they made, they're also some of the most memorable moments in wrestling within that seven months. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You've, I mean, and, and, and I'm talking Triple H's injury, two-man power trip even being a thing, right mm-hmm. after Austin's heel turn. Mm-hmm. There's so much to uncover and digest, so I'm really taking it in. Because really? I want to take the books yeah. back and go, okay, there are some things I don't want to change. You can't change certain things. Like the moment of Kurt Angle coming off the top rope in the steel cage match versus Benoit. Oh, I was I just said about to say, name. yeah, it's there's true. damn true. That that was really the genesis, the the watershed moment of uh, Angle as a face, which he had Absolutely. not really succeeded at prior to. So it's taking a lot longer is my spoiler alert is why I'm gallivanting about well it happens sometimes you have to suffer for your craft and uh, I can see going back and watching a shitload of Attitude Era Raws that's definitely definitely suffering for your craft so I am in awe and inspired by the amount of dedication to that I am happy 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 and proud I will say spoiler alert I was going to save it for next episode but it's too fucking funny not to mention since we're kind of briefly touching on it here I was watching a Raw, it was from June 4th of 2001, and it's, uh, we're, again, we're building to the invasion angle, this is actually the night that Hugh Morris comes out and does a, a moonsault on Edge, mm-hmm. and then get jumps back into the crowd or whatever, and all this stuff, they, they're teasing the WCW invasion and whatnot, but, uh. Trish Stratus is in a bra and panties match with Terry Reynolds. And wow. they are trying to sell this match, and it. I've just for some reason when you're a kid or when you're younger, you're not paying attention to what they're what they're announcing per se. I can guarantee you the 15 year old me had no clue what was being said. <laughs> but let me just the the thing that killed me is they said something along the lines of like, uh, oh, it was some famous like. Napoleon Bon Napoleon Bonaparte would have wanted justice, and you know how he would have wanted justice. With a brawn panties. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, and, and I'm and in my kitchen dying laughing yeah. because of how ridiculous it is. I'm like, they, they had Paul Heyman say that on TV. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No, actually, uh, I, keep, I keep thinking, that was, uh, that was June 2001, right? Yes, sir. What was the actual month of the Invasion pay-per-view? Do you remember? Uh, it was in July. It was late so July. Sure I want to say the date of the pay-per-view, and you can Wikipedia me this. I right. want to say it was July 24th okay. of 2001. I was just thinking, I'm really hoping that doesn't go too far. Otherwise, you're going to have a real shift in tone here in about three oh, months. <laughs> definitely before 9-11, yeah, obviously, happened. I, that did tonally shift everything. Yeah. I, had, well, I, didn't even, I really hadn't even mentally connected the two. I uh, hard to believe that's it's been totally almost twenty year. years. There's like this height of wrestling. It's like the epicenter of wrestling's moment, right? Well, and I mean, nine eleven was like the gut punch of reality. Yeah, and again, in, in a crisis, here's wrestling still being wrestling and entertaining. Right. 
And, I'm also going to throw out that You're very right. I'm also going to throw out that is 19 years ago. Crazy, right? Think about that. That is 19 freaking years ago. Actually, I saw something really interesting. Just to quickly, quickly digress. Um, there was an article on Cage Side yesterday that um, there has not been a major champion for any promotion yet for like any of the big promotions: Ring of Honor, AEW, you know, Impact, any of them. Yet to be a champion born in the 1990s. So even though that was 30 years ago, 1990, 30 years ago, there still has not been a major WWE, AEW, any major you know, promotion that has had a champion born in the decade of 1990 through 1999. That's not absolutely crazy. Yeah. So eventually you're going to get, like even I think Randy Orton at the time was the youngest champion. 80s kid. You know? Think about it. So we still haven't had our generation's technically champion. Weird. Yeah, that's something interesting thought, to think about. I thought Tess was like 27, though. Never was major champion. She was a TNA champ, wasn't she? I don't believe so. Tessa Blanchard? Tessa. No, I thought she said Test. Sorry. Not Test. No, that's why I was test, a little confused. Test, Test, Test. test. <laughs> no, um... I don't know if that's considered a major championship at this point. Uh, okay, I understand. But, I understand but, what you're saying. But also, I'm not sure how old she was. She may be. She might be thirty something. That's possible. That's yeah. definitely possible. So, yeah, it's an interesting little thing I picked up on the other day uh, while looking at different, you know, news and news and notes from around the wrestling world. Um, What's been going on, man? I feel like I've had my head in the sand a little bit. I know I've seen a few things. Well. There. The the two that we really need, I think the, in terms of news, like you you know you can go into booking and we can get into into double or nothing is the big the big story from this week and off of that we'll get to that here shortly and the usual WWE and NXT headlines um, stories that are going on but really the wrestling world as a whole uh, it's been a rough week uh, well rough seven and some change days uh, because the two biggest headlines. Uh, three if you really want to call the third um but the two biggest headlines are two deaths and that's never a good thing and in these two cases specifically both legitimate tragedies absolute Um, utter tragedies we are a little over a week now removed from uh shad gaspard's death um if you have not heard the story uh, the quick and dirty on it is he it was a week ago uh, over the weekend last uh, so prior to Memorial Day weekend a week prior uh, had been out surfing uh, with his son I, I think he was surfing he was out in the out in the beach uh, in California with his son and uh, got caught in a riptide his son's fairly young uh, I don't know the exact age but uh, both of them got caught in a riptide sucked out. Uh, into open water. Uh, Authorities did respond and got to both of them quickly. Um, Shad immediately uh, said, no, take my son, get him out of here, then come back and get me uh, without any hesitation whatsoever, get my son out of here. When they came back for Shad, he was gone. Um, And then a week ago yesterday on Monday, uh, they finally found the body. So, Silver lining, if there is one, is that there was a body found. But 
dude went out a true, absolute died in the wool hero. Saved his kid, man. Yeah, I mean, you can't really give any higher praise than that. Like the guy went out without a split second second thought, get my kid out of here, and don't worry about me. And um, really, you know, Shad Gaspard's a name you may not hear very often. You probably should, but um, for those of you who don't know much of the history of WWE or haven't watched of that era, uh, was in the tag team called Crime Time with JTG that was actually really fun to watch. Uh, God, they were great. Bit of a bit of a cringy gimmick at times because it was definitely racially overcharged. Oh yeah, to say the least. But, uh, but talent fun wise, team. those two dudes great were amazing. Team, yeah. uh, great team. Uh, it's a shame that they never got a chance at the uh, with a run at the belts. Actually, they never actually won the title, the tag titles, and had a run with them, which is uh, really a tragedy. Um, and then uh, Shad got let go. Uh, JTG hung around and was the subject of many a uh, long-running gag where he was never... He somehow survived every uh, firing and future endeavoring chain that ever happened until he picked up his phone one day and there he was. Um, but Shad went on, actually, I didn't realize this until, well, really all this happened, that Shad had gone on and done some indie work. He had done some motion capture work. And matter of fact... I'm not sure if you knew this. He actually did all the motion capture work as Kratos in the most recent God of War game. Really? He was the yeah. He was the mocap actor for Kratos. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. Um, kind of came back into prominence, or at least into the WWE um, last year during WrestleMania uh, with the Kofi Kingston thing. Uh, Kofi Mania. He was a big proponent of. There was a viral video of him. And I believe an MVP. MVP reacting to Kofi winning, and it's it's an amazing moment. And um, anyone who had a moment to talk about Shad or had any kind of reaction or interaction with him, I should say, uh, really talked about how much of a wonderful person he was. He seemed like a great guy. So uh, gone in in his mid thirties or late thirties, I do believe. Um, you know, left behind a young son and a wife that you know. How much more of a hero can you be? And, Dude, and I feel yeah. really bad for the kid because you know it's like one, it's like a, it's like a double punch, double whammy because Absolutely now is. he doesn't have a dad. Mm-hmm. And knowing, knowing his dad, and, yeah. and but his dad saving him is also going to be a trauma for him for the rest of his life. Uh, yeah, sadly. Um, and you try not to think about it that way. You try to think of it as you know his dad went out a hero and saved totally. him and all that, and you hope that that. You know, that's a positive memory, or I shouldn't say positive memory, but there's some positive association with it rather than negative. And from what I can tell, and from based on the reaction from the wrestling world at large, is that it seems like the family is is well is in great standing and will be taken care of, or at least looked after by fellow friends and wrestlers, which is always a nice thing to see. That is good. Um, but that was the early part of the week, and then at the end of the week, actually Saturday morning, I believe was the yeah, it was Saturday morning that I woke up to the news that um, this one's a little bit more obscure unless you're into uh, New Japan and Japanese pro wrestling at large. But uh, Hana Kimura, who was a kind of centerpiece, yeah, very young centerpiece for the Stardom promotion, um, committed suicide over the weekend. Well, 
not officially, but yeah, I guess I, to my knowledge, it hasn't been officially labeled cause of death, but you know, everyone seems to think or pretty well know that it was a suicide. Um, and the real tragedy of this, honestly, I mean, any, any suicide's a tragedy hands down, but the, uh, circumstances surrounding this one are pretty rough. Um, it could have been totally preventable. Yes. Easily could have been preventable, uh, by nothing more than sheer human decency. Um, yep. I don't know the full detail on it. Um, what I do know, uh, this is a woman who's a second generation wrestler. Her mother was a pro, was a pro wrestler. Um, she's 22 years old and very legitimately a very good wrestler and someone that stardom had handpicked to be kind of their tent pole. Uh, really their newest, uh, Io Shirai, uh, you know, Kyrie saying that type, um, to the extent that they had actually booked her in the first women's match at Wrestle Kingdom this past year. So, I mean, which is a big deal. She was going to be there, the face of their company at 22 years old. And, uh, to my knowledge, she got involved and was on a Japanese reality show, kind of a, um, like a big brother type show. Uh, I couldn't tell you the name of it. I tried to, but, um, from what I understand, she got into a bit of a spat there uh, with a comedian, stand-up comedian or like popular comedian out there. Uh, I don't know what over, I don't know what caused it, but uh, got into a public spat with him. And for lack of a better term, uh, the fandom came for her. Uh, the fandom of that comedian, uh, social media fans came out for her, death threats, horrible things said to her, and really... Just to call a spade a spade, cyberbullying. Uh, 100%. Yeah. She was just the target of toxic fandom, which you see in wrestling, you see in a lot of other things, unfortunately, right now. And um, I believe it was last Friday that she had posted, reposted some of what she was getting and posted some pretty uh, dark things that she had said. Um, you know, alluding to self-harm and then kind of a, what came off as a, uh, essentially a suicide note. And, uh, next thing you know, that was it. Um, well, I, well, there's I, a little I, bit yeah. more to it buckles on it. And I'm guessing go, you're probably go right getting ready to go into this. Go, with, go, go, if you want to go ahead and take it, that's fine. I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was Kyrie saying. Yeah, that was I. I was going to get to that. I don't know if I don't know if she was the first person to say something. Well, um, that's what every major outlet's been reporting. Is it? I, I mean, I when know. I was reading yeah. the news that was was reported that Kyrie Sane was she essentially the first person to see the post because it was mid afternoon here. Mm-hmm. She immediately called over there to have their people check on her. And yeah, and, and by the time they got there, it was already it was already too late. It was. What sucked and what really, I mean, really and truly is, is crushing, and you got to think of it from Kyrie's perspective, is just heartbreaking. This is someone she'd known and was very good friends with. She'd seen the tweet go out and immediately reached out to someone that she knew uh, in Japan, but there is a significant time difference between here and there. Yep. And when you hit it right on the head when she saw it. It was mid-afternoon here. She was awake to get it. She tries to reach out to somebody to go check on her. That person didn't receive the message right away. You know, 
it's middle of the night there, so didn't get it until shortly afterwards. As soon as that person got it, rushed over, but it was too late. And I mean, that's that's coming straight from Kyrie. It was that it was too late, and you talk about a gut punch. But you hit it right on the head a minute ago when you said it was entirely preventable, and it was. It it's it would have been preventable by simple human decency of not being a fucking toxic person. There's no reason to cyberboy. There's no reason to be a toxic fan. There's no reason to send horrible things and death threats just because you have the anonymity of Twitter or whatever social media. And the sick and sad thing about it is you have people that talk about it now after the fact and, you know, try to tell you to be better people, be, you know, don't do this. Don't, don't cyber bully. Don't, you know, be better people and then get caught up in Twitter wars themselves about it after the fact and end up in the same echo chamber. Um, it's, it's, I, it's, it's just hard. It's, it's depressing as hell to see. And I, I honestly don't know if there's a, a good way to address it. You can't tell the simple answer is to be better people, but apparently no one wants to be. Well, and I think, and I, I was sitting here really taking in what you were saying and thinking about it, like, how do you address this? What do you do? I will say this. I feel like if at all you have any desires to attain any level of celebrity, you should either have somebody as an outlet to channel all your anger or frustrations at the things you're reading about yourself because it's going to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. It's inevitable. Listen, I have a teeny tiny spickle speck bullshit fucking microscopic mole of nothingness of fucking quote-unquote celebrity and we've dealt with people cyberbullying and trying mm-hmm. to be shitty and saying mean comments or really sexually charged disgusting comments mm-hmm. and it takes you going these people aren't real they're just a um data that you know is is popping up on my phone right. and uh you know as long as you don't interact with them my thing is for a time, I got into like, oh, you want to say some shit about us? Fuck you all, fight back. Right, and there's and no, like, there's no winning, sure, there's no victory at all. You're defending yourself. You're also not yeah. winning the fight because you're defending yourself. That never looks good. Well, I mean, you're defending yourself about against someone who doesn't care about that, that has no dog in the fight. You're exactly. defending yourself for someone who doesn't care about winning and losing. They're just right to them. It doesn't matter. Yep, and their goal is to just frustrate you to no ends. And I think, like I said, if you attain to have any level of celebrity, you need to just be prepared to sit down and go, look, no matter what's said about me, I can't let it rattle me because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, like, I get it. She had death threats and things like that, but you just got to tune out, turn it off, fucking walk away from your phone, do anything but be on it and looking at all the shit coming because that's that's what's going to get you. And it's it's really it's an interesting thing for wrestlers in particular because uh, right now it's almost expected that you have a social media like you can't not have something. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, hell, using John Moxley as an example, his Dean Ambrose Twitter literally said they made me get one and had nothing on it but one tweet for six seven years. Um, but he was told to have one. Uh, think of how many times you watch Raw or watch SmackDown or even watch AEW 
and it will have their Twitter handle on the name graphic. Yep. Uh, it's it's a I don't even know what what the best way to call it. It's something that it's the best way of promoting yourself, and it's the best way of interacting with your fan base and really you know connecting with people. But at the same time, it is this double edged sword that is opening you up to the worst that the internet has to offer and the worst that the internet has to offer is some of the worst things you can imagine. And And you just have to be ready to take it, man. I mean, I know that's a hard thing to stomach and say, like, just be ready for people to bully you and be assholes and whatever. But that's the world we live in there. Those people aren't going away. Mm -hmm. But I mean, think about how, think about being 22, 22 years old and having to deal with that. Like 22 years old, you don't know shit about shit. You're right, man. And, you know, I can remember all those decades ago being 22 myself. I'm kidding. But uh, just how it's easy to take things out of proportion because you're not mature yet. And and it breaks my heart to see somebody that's that young dealing with that much for something that she had no – shouldn't have ever happened. It's it's not just preventable, but it, there's no reason for it to have happened to begin with, and that's the real tragedy of it. Is like she was apparently a wonderful person uh, that people just loved. Evidently, uh, B. Priestley actually put up something really nice about her that she's the one that would always go out to the foreign gaijin wrestlers and try to help them learn Japanese and help them out because it helped her learn her English. Huh. And was just always the one. I actually, God, who was it? Um, uh, Brody King. Brody King had something that, that floored me. I uh, had tweeted out that the first time he'd gotten to meet her, he was on vacation in Japan and gotten to uh, train with her and her mother. And that she had kind of been his uh, kind of tour guide while he was in Japan just for a little bit, just to help him, you know, get his bearings while he was on vacation and on excursion there for a while and didn't really get to, you know, that was kind of it. They didn't really keep much in touch. And then uh, she showed up, I think it was at a ring of honor show, maybe just out in the crowd and like was like screaming and calling over for him and just immediately lit up when she saw him and like how he hadn't really seen her in years, but she was just so excited to see him and how much of a great person she was and how great her personality was. And he was just immediately taken with her and then crushed to hear this. It's like one of those that it's just, it sucks. Everything about it sucks. Okay. So I have a question. Is Japan in lockdown right now? Uh, They are. um, I knew. Okay. New Japan um, has been kind of, they were one of the first to cancel shows. Like they canceled shows back in early March. Like almost late February, uh, they were the first to go without shows. They have not filmed anything new. Um, they briefly tried to do a shows. I think I want to say, I don't know if it was New Japan, but another promotion in Japan tried to do shows with social distancing the fans, but that didn't last very long. Um, New Japan has said that they will not, and they've even asked the wrestlers have asked to not do shows until there is. Um, health screenings and better things in place. Uh, they've actually been probably the most um, progressive promotion to deal with it, I want to say. Um, 
like they've foregone money. They've even like I th- want to say they're they've actually had the government help bail some of the wrestlers out, or help you know bail out some paychecks and things to help make things better for everybody. Um, they would not go back without full testing. Um, but I want to say that they are going to try to resume. I could swear I read something recently. They're going to start trying to resume in the very near future, but I don't know if that's actually come to pass or not. So obviously, uh, the mental state mm-hmm. of someone who in, who is in quarantine, right? That doesn't help the situation. No, no. When you're at home alone and you've got nothing to do but surf on your phone, yeah. But I want to say this. I'm trying to put myself in a position and be vulnerable and think for a second as a 22-year-old lady and and my I wouldn't you know maybe there's some underlying stuff and one of my ex-girlfriend's dads we had this really nice long conversation about suicide when I was like 17 mm-hmm. and it wasn't about cuz I wasn't suicidal it had nothing to do with me but you right. know the conversation was brought up and it was important and I remember listening and he said something that always stuck with me and I will never not let it resonate. Those who commit suicide were always going to. Well, always whatever what? set them over the edge, whatever put them in the position to do what they did was inevitable because it was something that when the levee breaks, there's no coming back. Uh, and that's uh, a dark thing to remember when you're younger. But, you know, I look at this situation and I think about how wrestling is and I go, man, I wish this lady would have just taken a deep breath for a second because I would have turned this shit into an angle so hard. Maybe. Uh, I would have pivoted right directly into it. I would have called the office, beep, beep, beep. I would have said, hey, listen, these people are saying some mean shit to me, death threats, all this stuff. Let's lean into this. Let's turn me heel. Let's make me bad. Let me unleash hell. Well, I mean, there's a couple things to it. Like, for one, the Japanese pro wrestling scene is taken a lot differently. You don't have that kind of thing. Like, you don't have as... You very rarely see characters actually interact with fans. Or, like, I should say that. You don't have as much fan sway over things quite as much. Totally. Um, it's it's taken a lot more wrestling over there is taken a lot more seriously than it is here. Not to say that they believe it's real or something like that, but it's it's a major sport for them, and it's uh, I guess booking is just a little bit different there. I guess is the right way to put it. Um, me, if you were to put me in her shoes, I don't know that I could have been anything. I'm not gonna say I would have killed myself or anything like that, but it would have it would have fucked me up. It absolutely would have fucked me up. 22 years old and that shit, I'm sitting at home alone and that's all I've got to to drown myself in is that. Or well, I shouldn't say drown myself in it, but like if I'm home alone and I've got the access to that and that's, that's what I'm seeing, I know that would have made me spiral. I know myself well enough to say that. I would have had a tough time dealing with that. And I can't fault anybody for having trouble dealing with that at all. And... I'd love to say that, you know, I would absolutely turn it to an angle or, you know, I could run with it and bounce off of it. But, man, I don't know. 22. That's uh It's unfortunate. It sucks. Yeah. 
It does. Um, uh-huh. And I kind of – I actually got into it myself on Saturday because uh, I found out about it through our mutual friend Tyler McLaughlin from JIC. Uh, tagged both of us in a post about it. Uh, he's not even a wrestling fan and had seen it and tagged us both in it. And in that post, I don't know if you happen to see, I actually got into it with somebody on that, like in that comment section on Facebook, no less. I did. I shouldn't have that, gotten. No. Shouldn't have gotten drawn into it. No, this guy made some jackass comment about all suicides being selfish and that she doesn't deserve any sympathy. Well, you know, fuck you. It just it was really some heartless, stupid thing to say and I got drawn into arguing with someone who had no interest in listening to arguments just wanted to fight like didn't want to didn't want to win anything just just wanted to fight and dumb yeah like I got drawn into it enough you know arguing back and forth with the guy that he finally he finally just said man I'm here for the long haul for this argument are you and I'm like you know what no I'm not I've got much better things to do with my time than than argue with a nameless person who is just out here to get a rise out of people I, I i'm not but it took me realizing that to not do something and that i'm human i i i'm human and i like to argue so i get it's easy for me to draw into shit like that i have to tell myself not to um and that's that kind of like echo chambery shit that we all need to be better than I agree. Yeah. Uh, It's weird that we're talking about wrestler deaths, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I would think this is a very bizarre week for wrestling deaths to be happening. Right. Considering 21 years ago in the timeline, we are now 21 years removed from the death of Owen Hart. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the dark side of the ring on it. Did you watch it? You said you couldn't watch it. I watched it. I, I, I can't. I... I couldn't bring myself to. Uh, I know enough about it that I couldn't. I've heard a lot since then. Let me say this. I've heard the show's very good. I'll say that. It is very good, and they are... Um, I think the thing that gets me is it's, it's, it's shocking to physically see the evidence of what happened. Yeah. Um, that was the part that was hard. As far as hearing the wrestlers talk about Owen, right. Martha recant, recount her tale of what happened to her, any, her his son, anything like that. Like mm. All those things considered weren't like gut punches. The gut punches were like, like I said, seeing the equipment, seeing them put knowingly having put him in a dangerous position. Right. I think the gut punch to me is, and, is yeah, it, it doesn't. I mean, it's it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's from Martha's point of view, but from what I've heard of the show, it definitely puts Martha in a more sympathetic light than it does WWE. And man, from what I've read, it puts WWE in a rough, rough, rough spot. Oh. And deservedly thousand, so, if it's true. Which a, th- a thousand percent I, puts yeah. them in a rough spot. Um, um, the fact... The one the, the detail that jumped out to me, and like I said, I haven't watched it, but I've read enough uh, or enough reviews of it and seen some highlights, things from it, is that obviously the the decision to make the show go on is one that's going to live in infamy for years because no one really knew what to do, and you know you understand the the idea behind Vince saying the show must go on, but the to have 
wrestlers actually out there on busted boards with bloody mats. Oh, they showed that too. That was yeah, hard that's, to see the close-up picture of that. Or to give Jim Ross 10 seconds to tell people that Owen Hart died. Hey, you uh, Owen just died. You have you need to tell people this. You have 10 seconds. Figure well, out what you're going to say. It was Kevin Dunn, and it was a little less tactful than that. It uh, was JR saying, we haven't had any updates. What's mm-hmm. going on? What's going on? No updates. Somebody tell me mm-hmm. something. He's dead. You're on in 10, 9, yeah. 8. Counted him right back in. He's yeah. dead and just kept counting. Didn't. No, Kevin Kevin Dunn is not someone I'm a fan of to begin with, but, yeah, that doesn't really help anything. Um, oh. And uh, the idea that, I don't even know if you want to call it the idea or the knowledge that they used equipment that was subpar because they wanted to cut costs that Owen was not comfortable doing it ahead of time and they still pushed him into it, that the fact that it it was something that he was scared to do and still did, um, all for the sake of them, the fact that there was something that the stunt people told them not to do it and they still did, or that they wouldn't have done themselves and that they still pushed, it it makes it really hard to want to give a cent to WWE for anything anymore, honestly. Oh, I absolutely agree. And then there, I mean, you find out that Martha is being sued by Vince. Oh, God. Yeah. After Owen Countersuit died. and all that like, shit. How does that work? That lawyer you know, theirs is a piece of shit. I will say it, that. The WWE lawyer. You see why Owen's not oh. in the Hall of Fame, because she and her right mind can't put him there. Okay. Real quick. You know, sure. we, we mentioned a quick aside about, uh, about the Hall of Fame. Um. And, and, and I, I understand why she does not want Owen in the Hall of Fame, and I completely get why she doesn't want WWE to make a cent off of his name, and I don't blame her. At no point should anybody feel bad for being left out of WWE's Hall of Fame because it's not a fucking Hall of Fame. Correct. There's no votes. There's no you know, council of your peers voting on you. It is who does Vince McMahon decide he wants to put in now. Now, there's still an honor to be had in doing so. There's still, you know, the honor of being one of the highest recognized people. That's great. That's fine. I'm happy for the people who who do get in. But to say your career is not complete because you're not in the WWE Hall of Fame, you can find other things to be proud of. You can find many other things that you've done to be proud of that you don't need to be in the WWE Hall of Fame to be a big shot or to be a true Hall of Famer. And Owen Hart is the perfect example of that. You don't need to have Owen's bust in... Well, really, there isn't a place for him to have a bust because they don't have a physical Hall of Fame. You don't need his name added to some list to say he is a Hall of Famer posthumously. You don't need that. You know Owen's a Hall of Famer. That's doesn't it doesn't even need to be set. There's not a person who wouldn't vote for him to go in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And I mean, look at the other people who haven't made it. The fact that Lita or not Lita, uh, China is not in the Hall of Fame is something that is just stupid. It's flat stupid. Always has been, always will be until she gets in. And even then, when she gets in, it doesn't fucking matter because we all knew she should have been in the first place. And it's just 100%. some some useless crap. The fact that they have a award named after the Ultimate Warrior trying to whitewash him into being some folk hero when he was a racist piece of shit, it's not worth and, it. 
and I think the thing that's funny about the Warrior Award, I'm glad you brought that up, mm-hmm. because when he did his acceptance speech at the Hall of Fame, he says, I want an award for the people that don't get recognized. Right. For the cameraman. Right. Unnamed cameraman B or right. Susan Which, in the you know, office. That's a great sentiment, actually, yeah. And it was a great idea. So then when he died, they said they're going to do it, and then they immediately start giving it out like a yeah. piece of candy to fucking people. They gave it to look good. They gave it to a kid with cancer, and then they gave it to uh, the kid uh, who fuck. got injured in football. Yeah. yeah, I mean, both great stories. Don't get me wrong. Nothing against either of them. Nothing against either of those whatsoever. Nothing but to do with what again, Warrior wanted, though. Not what he wanted. And then again. Uh, to tie back into news, there's been people that said, "William, man, I wish they give. I would hope they give Shad Gaspar the the posthumous Warrior Award because he was definitely a warrior." You think he'd really want an award that had to do anything with a racist motherfucker like Ultimate Warrior? No. Don't you think do he that. wants an award named after a guy that was literally a racist homophobe bigot? Fuck him. Fuck Warrior. Sorry. Rant I, over. Yeah, I. Uh, now back to buckles with the yeah. news. Yeah. Um, flung a star. You, speaking of rants, if you want to touch on another, the other, if you want to call it news story, we have Jim Cornette gets mad at Cloud, waves fist. Jim Cornette versus pregnancy. Um, I don't want to spend much time on it because it's just his dumbass getting more clickbaity. But I'm going to say something to counter this uh, when you're done speaking on this story. Go ahead. Sure, go ahead. Um, do you want me to go ahead and just give the rundown on it real quick? Sure, talk about the Jim Cornette story and then cuz I'm going to I'm going to fuel the fire a little bit oh in this. God. One. Uh not to put too fine a point on it. Not, I'm not going to actually bring up his words because I don't want to, but um he ran down Becky Lynch for getting pregnant now because she's in the prime of her drawing power and her prime of her money-making ability and that she could have many many years later on in life to pop out a kid essentially, and that uh, he thought that basically being pregnant and while being a wrestler is stupid and irresponsible, and that pregnancy in, in general is not worth it, and that uh, she's ruining the best years of her career. And said it in a much more misogynistic tone than even what I'm putting on it. Let's put it that way. I mean, um, yeah. It's, it's Jim it's, Cornette. It's gross. It's, it's just He's... flat gross. He's of the old school. Well, it's not even old school. It's just fucking stupid. But let me ask you a question. Sure. Who's the greatest heel in wrestling right now? MJF. What? <laughs> I mean, I know you want to say that. No, I'm not even. Call, I'm not Cornette. even going to call. I'm not going to call him a heel because he's not just playing a heel. He's not. Oh, he totally knows what he's doing, dude. You you know he, he knows he's poking the bear. Come he on. Does. He, he no does. He doesn't need to true. say anything about Seth and, and, and Becky doing their own thing. But and that opinion, he could have shared it on any other mm-hmm. female wrestler that's went and got pregnant after they've had a great run, and he uh, hasn't. He said some pretty other nasty stuff about uh, Dana Brooke as well, just on looks alone. Um, yeah, I've heard those comments. Listen, I'm not a huge Jim Cornette fan. I'm not going to lie. I just think the guy plays a great fucking heel, and he knows it. And he knows here's, if he says here, shit that gets heat. He does. He does. Here, here's the thing about Jim Cornette that I – why I, I get annoyed at just calling him a heel. Yes, he's playing a heel, and he he is very good at playing a heel character, and that's what he's trying to do, and he does it well. 
but he plays a real good heel character because he is a fucking asshole. There's there's the idea that being a heel or being any character in wrestling is yourself turned up to 11, and that's true. However, that goes both ways. You can be a dick and be a good heel character. And Jim Cornette, yeah, he says shit to get reactions, and yeah, he says shit that he knows is going to stir the pot, but he's doing it because he's an asshole. <laughs> like, he wants to stir the pot for likes and all that, but it doesn't make him a heel. It makes him a dick. And I mean, you're not wrong. I, I, I can't with that guy. I just, I honestly cannot with him anymore because he's gone from playing a character to becoming the character. And that that's really the sad thing about it. And that's why I, I can't stand him is that he's not really just Jim Cornette playing a dick. He's Jim Cornette being a dick, trying to play a dick. He's a dude playing a dude disguised as another, another dude, only all the dudes are fucking assholes. <laughs> I'm the dude playing a dude dressed like another dude, uh, acting like another dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Tropic Thunder reference. Yeah. Uh, no, he's... I. I'm sure there's an element of he's just trying to stir the pot to it, but... Stirring the pot by being an asshole just makes you an asshole. He's not doing it to get ratings for a show. He's not saying it and then going, well, I'm just playing a character on TV. No, he's not really apologizing for shit. He's not making any differentiation between himself and the character. This is just Jim Cornette ranting. You can take it as a character. You cannot take it as a character. But because he makes no differentiation in it, that's him. And I, I honestly think Jim Cornette's a fucking asshole. Fair enough. So, so there's that. Um, I just good on to, Seth. Good to on Seth for pot and say that he's he's a, he's a good heel just to see where it went. I'm glad I did because if I fired up buckles, I yeah. love it. He is a good heel. He is a great heel. He always has he been a great you heel. Pissed. He's he is one of the greatest heel managers of all time. But that does not preclude him from being an asshole. Uh, Fair enough. Matter of fact, one of my favorite moments in recent memory, uh, I got and I'm, God bless it. I got to see a, a replay of it the other day. Uh, during an MLW match between uh, Sammy Callahan and uh, and I think it was Mance Warner, uh, Cornette was on commentary before he got you know let go from that job for saying something stupid. But uh, <laughs> Sammy comes out and it spits water on him, like completely shoot, just like takes a swig of water, just spits it all over Cornette, who's on commentary. And Cornette just loses his mind and just wings the fucking uh, uh, tennis racket at him. And he just lost his mind. But, you know, good on you, because I know a bunch of people that would probably just love to do exactly that, and fuck him. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that's my opinion on Jim Cornette. <laughs> he's already, he's already, uh, God, I can't even with that dude. Like, we've already talked enough about him on this show for getting fired from NWA. Do we ever talk about the shirt? Which one? The fuck Jim Cornette shirt. Oh, yeah, who was that? Whose is that? That is specifically well, no, there's somebody that started it before his, before he Correct. took it over. And, and and that's the story, is that the yeah. wrestler that started it before him started as a GoFundMe for him because this wrestler got hurt in a backyard wrestling That's thing. right, yeah. And so Jim Cornette went off on him for the rights yeah. to fuck Jim Cornette yeah. and took it from him and now sells that shirt on his website. But here's the cool thing about Jim Cornette. He donates all that money to charity. Yeah, I... 
Oh, because that's right. Because they didn't pay the artist who did the fuck yeah. Jim Cornette shirt for the design. Yeah. So he I'm not going to say that he's. I'm not going to say he's so completely he irredeemable. Print. I'm not going to say he doesn't. He's not completely irredeemable. Apparently, he's very anti-Trump, which I, I'll salute anybody who is. But fuck yeah. But that again doesn't preclude him from being an asshole. You can be a good person and still be a fucking asshole. You can, oh, yeah, you totally. can have it's good qualities and still be a fucking asshole. There are good guy assholes in the world. Yep. They're You're going to find it pretty tough for me to call him a good guy asshole, but I'd call him an asshole that can do a good thing every now and then. Okay. Um, um so Buckles... I do want to get I do want to give credit to Seth for going out and publicly saying that calling him gross, calling him a uh, calling him out on it. So good for Seth on that, defending his wife. Hey, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? And, right. Uh, yeah, um, it's, I mean, it's silly that this is the world we live in where we're talking about beef on Twitter. Right, right. But they be beefing on Twitter, bro. Yep, very much so. What other news do we have, Buckles? Um, well, I'll go right into uh, main roster WWE, speaking of Seth Rollins. Um is probably the best thing, or one of the best things going in main roster right now. Um, Raw and SmackDown are kind of wild in that Raw is somewhat enjoyable, even though it's kind of weird. SmackDown did is you just watch a last chore. Night? What's that? Did you watch Raw last night? I did. What was up with this crowd? Um, they uh, kind of followed AEW a little bit. Um, in that, uh, that. <clears throat> there's there's an interesting story there. Um, the originally WWE came out and, and talked about how much testing they were doing and the cleaners that they were using and how many things they were testing before, like how deep clean the performance center was getting after every show and blah, 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 blah. Even though we later found out that someone there still managed to test positive. We don't know who, but we did find out someone there did. Um, but, there was a news story a little bit ago, and it never really got verified, but there was someone claiming the WWE had done zero testing. Like, none whatsoever. Cleaning Whoa. a lot, but no testing whatsoever. Um, AEW, from the jump, has not done empty arena shows. They have had uh, performers of, or AEW uh, talent out in the crowd. Uh, and there are some there are some people who have kind of decried that because there's not really much social distancing between them in the crowd. You know, they're still getting right up in people's faces. However, they are all publicly being tested. So, I mean, there is some some credence to that. Uh, but this past Raw, WWE decided to kind of follow along in those footsteps and had uh, not just WWE talent, but some of the NXT talent. Uh, most of them, the jobbers and the, the like that haven't really gotten much TV time, but some big name faces. I know uh, Shotzi Blackheart, Jessamyn Duke were out there. Um, so they actually had some NXT talent in the crowd. Uh, the weird thing was that they put up like plexiglass hockey shields around the arena as well, which was very strange to see, but kind of cool in its own way. It was weird. Like, okay. I. I kind of want to see them use it. Like, I want to see somebody get thrown up, like, getting body checked, like, in hockey. Didn't happen last night, but I'd like to see it. If you're going to have them there, you might as well use them. Um, there was a weird moment because they, you know, make a point about how everybody's tested, and they make a point about 
how everybody's social distancing, we're keeping everybody apart, and everybody's you know standing six feet apart. And then at the end of the show, they have a brawl with Lashley and and McIntyre, and instead of getting security out like you would see in very trope WWE, no, they actually the ref calls for the NXT guys to run out from behind the barriers and break up the fight, thus negating so they any all just unsocial distance. Yeah, completely negating any kind of social distancing that they may have been doing throughout the show. So kind of a head scratcher there, but you know at least they're trying, I guess, and. You know, it just like with AEW, having the crowd noise does make a big difference. Um, they had Apollo Crews win the uh, United States title last night, and having someone to cheer made a difference. It made the moment better. Uh, there was a great uh, face promo from Nikki Cross that got over better because of the crowd. And, and really, they're also kind of killing two birds with one stone because they're going to cheer and boo who Vince tells them to cheer and boo for a change. He finally has a captive audience that listens to him. But uh, really, it wasn't bad. Uh, again, I kind of want to see them do a little more with the shields, but eh, it was good on for trying, I guess. Just maybe not negate it next time. Um, okay. But yeah, the weird thing right now is that Raw is fairly watchable while SmackDown is just a slog to get through. Um, slog, that's a word. It is. It's 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 hard to watch because it just for being an hour shorter than Raw, feels like it drags worse. Like right now the only thing they've got going for them, they have the Intercontinental Title Tournament, which is interesting and uh we're going to get a couple decent matches this week out of it in uh, Sheamus versus uh, oh shit, I know it's it's AJ Styles and I believe Jeff Hardy, and uh, Sheamus and I don't remember who the other one is now. I don't remember who else is it. Oh, I think Sheamus and Daniel Bryan maybe. If that's right, I may be getting that completely backwards. But the only thing that, that show has to hang its hat on with Roman Reigns out is the Fiend. And they haven't had Bray Wyatt on the show in about three weeks, or since really Money in the Bank. Oh, no. They've got Braun Strowman, who is now fighting a handicap match against uh, Miz and Morrison for the title at the next pay-per-view. Because reasons. Uh, New Day are the tag team champions. They haven't been on the show in two weeks. Um, their women's division is so non-existent at this point that they had to have Charlotte on that show because they have to have Charlotte on every show. Fuck. Like, literally, she had a title, or a, a champion versus champion match this past week on SmackDown. They essentially created the uh, the new, don't call it a, a wild card rule, where supposedly you could get four instances a year of switching brands or moving or appearing on the brand's other show, or the other brand show, just for Charlotte to get on. SmackDown. Um, they officially traded AJ from Raw to SmackDown. Literally traded him for, and I quote, uh, future considerations. The which, draft? Did the draft just happen? No. That's just it. There's no future considerations considering there's no draft. What the fuck? It's just literally, we put him on this show and we're giving a reason for it. We're giving a bullshit reason. To me, I think I put up something on Twitter that Oh, so, okay, now I guess Raw's going to package all those picks together and move up for a quarterback, because that's how that works, right? <laughs> no, they're going to go for a linebacker, dude. They need a linebacker. No, they're going to they're gonna trade all their picks for Ricky Williams. That's what's going to happen. 
Nope, they're going to get Kevin Green, bro. <laughs> true oh, linebacker. Oh, God. Um, yeah, you're talking to somebody who watched all four days of the draft this year. I love the fucking NFL draft. Um, but, yeah, it, SmackDown is just weird. Uh, I, I do have to shout out that the Miz and Morrison angle had the strangest line that I have heard in WWE programming in a while. And strangely Bring enough, it. didn't come from Baron Corbin. Because Corbin, oh yeah, that's the, that's the other one. It's, it's Sheamus versus uh, Elias. There's Sheamus versus Elias this week, and there is AJ versus, I believe, uh, Jeff Hardy this week. Okay. Um, no, the angle with Miz and Morrison was they called out Braun, and then because Braun had pinned Miz last week, or pinned Morrison last week, Morrison started talking up Miz like Miz was going to beat up beat up Braun and said, and I quote, he's going to come at you like a roll, like a sock full of quarters at a strip club. Come out swinging. And I don't know how to process that. That line made my IQ drop. I don't know how to handle that. That line just made my IQ drop. Yeah, it hurts. It's painful. What is that? What happened there? Who hurt Uh, you? What happened in your life that made you think that was something that needed to be said? And who the fuck goes, hey, man, we're going to write this thing about uh, this thing. Ugh. Are you ready? And it's like, yeah, we're ready. Yeah. Okay, we need a line about how he's going to beat him up. Sock full of quarters is the punchline. Good. What comes to mind? A strip club. Right? What? <laughs> like, okay, I, it, first it, of all, it, let's it, peel it, the curtain back a little bit further. Nate's only ever been to one strip club once ever. Two. One time, I've been to two, both the same trip. Huh? I've been to two, both in Las Vegas, both for my younger brother's 21st birthday. Okay, Pull back so the see, there. you had a reason. I didn't really have a reason. I was just big sad and needed to do something with my friends. <laughs> I, have a very, took... I have a very fun story about the second time, but or both times, but we will keep the show as PC as possible and be saying fuck all the time. Not on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go there on that. Just po- we'll save that for another one. Yeah, I'll keep that one. We'll keep that. That's a good story for later. That's off the air. That's for, Maybe that's for GIW After Dark. <laughs> um. But you know, uh, at the at the one the one time I went the once ever, there were no quarters or socks involved. No, no, <laughs> there shouldn't be. It was all dollar <laughs> bills and ATM fees. You never hear a rapper talking about making it hail. No, mm-hmm. make it rain because the money floats down. If you throw no. quarters at bitches, they would be pissed. No. <laughs> And I don't mean uh, to call women bitches. I'm not saying it like that. I'm just uh, I was saying it in a general term. No, it's that line we've already given that line more credit than it needs to get. <laughs> it just breaks my brain. Well, my but the point being that SmackDown, that's what SmackDown has become. It's it's devolved into that. It's really rough. To say nothing about the fact that Baron Corbin's still a thing. Um meanwhile over on Raw, they've actually gotten some decent things lately. Um, you have, uh, the, the Genesis or the regenesis of Bobby Lashley. Uh, they put MVP with Bobby Lashley and it's been wonderful. MVP is a hell of a promo. Always has been, but he has found his stride again as the like serious manager for Lashley. And just with that alone and the fact that they've actually given Lashley a bit better finisher, uh, he's suddenly in a title match uh, coming up backlash against Drew McIntyre that people want to see. 
I'm actually interested in it. I can't remember really? the last time I was interested in anything that Lashley did. But, goddamn, putting him with MVP was a great idea. Um, spoiler alert, they gave him his new finisher is the uh, Full Nelson. It's the Master Lock again. Oh, my God. But, on a guy Lashley's size, it works. Okay. It works. And it's better than his terrible spear, so. Um... Drew McIntyre continues to be a fantastic babyface. Um, point of fact, last night, uh, mid prom or uh, he came out for uh, MVP's VIP lounge. Immediately tossed the furniture out of out of the ring just to get it out of the way because he knew what was going to happen. Um, MVP did his spiel, had a very good promo. Uh, Lashley starts to walk out, and uh, McIntyre just immediately uh, claymores MVP just to get him out of the way. Um, awesome. Yeah. And it is just begging, like literally like rips his shirt off and is standing there in his jeans, begging Lashley to come in and fight him just for a fight. He is the, uh, he's an awesome face. It's, it's a real shame that they've not had a crowd for him yet. I've said it before. Hopefully they continue to, to keep the belt on him because he deserves to have the full crowd treatment. He's doing excellently. Um, you have Apollo Cruz just won the uh, uh, U.S. title over Andrade in a really weird match that had a uh, Angel Garza promo mid match, which was very strange. In the middle of um, the match, there was a promo. Yeah, like they cut to him talking about or talking to uh, Caleb Braxton and essentially uh, equating a match to sex. It was really weird, but yeah, right in the middle of the match, um, you have. Asuka is now feuding with uh, Nia Jax because they don't want to have her feud with uh, with uh, Shayna Baszler for some unforeseen reason. Um, and uh, Nia is just getting worse by the week. Like her character is terrible. Her promos are annoying, and her character, her work is not any better. So, spoiler alert: Asuka is probably going to end up on the injured reserve soon. Um, oh no. You've had uh, Charlotte, who is the NXT title holder, um, having just got a title versus title match, or not title versus title, but champion versus champion match with Bailey on SmackDown, uh, magically ends up in a uh, triple threat for the number one contendership on Raw this past week because we can't get enough Charlotte. Um, it's it's alarming how much they're over pushing her right now. Like this is it's legitimately worse than anything they did with Reigns. Like, Reigns is going to be known for the overpush, but that was, you know, just over time. This is, she is literally on everything that WWE has programmed on national TV in the last, like, two weeks. It's overkill to the nth degree. Um, but the nice thing, the cool thing on the show is uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, the last time you and I talked was the angle in which he had uh, he and Murphy had come out and been catatonic on the green side and then snapped and tried to put Ray's eye out on the side of the steps. You remember talking about that? Yes. So since then, he's been kind of rejuvenated and is very much the dark like priest and preach. I shouldn't say priest. He's not you know Ministry of Darkness Undertaker, but 
the preacher here in the good word and, you know, sacrificing for the greater good. And he's coming out carrying Ray's mask and thanking him for being the sacrifice that was necessary for the greater good. That's um, why there's supposedly a retirement thing coming for Ray. Yeah, yeah. Because it's an angle. Oh, God, I wanted him to come out in the salmon jacket. I need Mark Henry in this. Um, But Seth's been fantastic. He is just a slime ball. More so than even with J&J Security. This is his best heel run by far. Um, And actually recruited another follower. He's got two now. Um, He recruited Austin Theory after uh, Zelina Vega's crew dumped him in a very similar fashion to the way that he recruited Murphy, which is great continuity. And then they actually had Murphy and and, uh, Theory win a match last night, which is better than what anything else has done for them. Um, but yeah, his character is great. The angle is interesting. They're actually providing some continuity behind it. I find it a little funny that cult leader Bray couldn't get anybody, uh, got, uh, got Daniel Bryan for like two weeks, whereas Seth Rollins already done a better recruiting job than, than, uh, than Bray. Um, there's an interesting kind of parallel that you might be able to draw between Seth and the dark order and AEW. Okay, bring it on. Uh, well, I mean, just in the sense that it's a cult. It's uh, trying to be oh, better. Oh, yeah, than, totally. I can yeah. see that. There's, uh, it's interesting that it's kind of both going on at the same time. Um, but Seth's worth watching alone. Like, it's his his stuff has been the best stuff on Raw lately by a good long shot, and it's really impressive. Hmm. Um, that's kind of the rundown for WWE's main roster. Uh, we did. We are coming still off of a fresh pay-per-view. Uh, at Money in the Bank, and we do have Backlash coming up. Oh, excuse me, I do need to touch on this. Uh, they are still pushing uh, the Orton-Edge match as the greatest wrestling match ever. They're still pushing that to the extent that the logo for Backlash now says the greating re- greatest wrestling match ever, Backlash. Like, it is, a, it is a picture of that phrase with Backlash underneath it. That's the logo. Okay, I need to so, look this shit up. Henceforth, I will not be referring to that show as Backlash. I will be referring to it as its full title, which is the greatest wrestling show ever, Backlash. Or the greatest wrestling match ever, Backlash. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to find a... It's a poster, you said? Uh, Yeah. I'm guessing if you go on WWE's page, I'm sure it's probably plastered all over it. Um. Yeah, it looks like a, a set of lights and everything, like a rafters and lights with that in there, a marquee. And then, yeah. Um, they are still running with the angle of Edge and Orton, which I'm... You know, Edge still can cut a promo and sell you on a match, but I'm not... I'm very much not interested in it. They're pushing the angle of it way too hard, and it's just not going over well to me. I'm actually going to see if I can find a copy of it for you as well. I um, found the picture. I've, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Does that not look stupid? The greatest wrestling match ever. Backlash. Yeah. It just makes it look like it's all one title. And that's what it should be referred to as if that's what they're wanting to do. Um, moving over to NXT. I will say I have not gotten to watch uh, the most recent episode. I've seen the highlights, uh, but not gotten to watch it yet. Um. I do know that they are still kind of, uh, they're still going along with the idea of uh, Velveteen Dream having some form of a title shot considering he lost kind of dirty to Adam Cole. Um, 
you still have the Gargano family angle. I believe they're working at a uh, angling toward a match between uh, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae versus real life couple Keith Lee and Mia Yim. Uh, we have Damian Priest versus Finn Balor announced for the uh, In Your House pay per view. Um, we also have the cruiserweight tourney kind of humming along. They are still leaning into the Drake Maverick uh, getting his job back angle, which is still kind of dirty in a way. Um, the big news, really, other than they're also going with a uh, Killer Cross or Carrion Cross, Tommaso Champa feud. Even though Cross has only had two matches thus far, um, entrance is still great, by the way. Uh. But they are, we had the breakup of Matt Riddle and Tim Thatcher with uh, Imperium taking the tag titles off of them when Thatcher turned heel. Uh, Leading up to tomorrow night, or I guess tonight when the show airs, uh, a cage match between the two, officiated by Kurt Angle, and supposedly ended only by knockout or tap out. Um, Kind of interesting alone in that it is not going to be on a pay-per-view or it's not going to be on a takeover. But rumor is that it is going to be writing Riddle off for a call-up. So we could be seeing Matt Riddle on uh, Raw or SmackDown in the very near future. Hmm. Um, what I'll kind of be looking for is, let's see how long they actually let him continue wrestling without shoes. Rusev wore boots eventually. You're right. So we'll see how long they let Riddle do it. Um that's really all I've got for NXT. It's been kind of kind of stop start. NXT's kind of in a weird position right now because they're um I they're still humming right along and it's still good quality programming, but the losing the last takeover kind of threw them into a little bit of disarray. Like losing the uh takeover Tampa kind of stretched yeah, out their angles yeah. a little bit and they're just kind of in a weird position. Um not having their cruiserweight champion and not having half their tag team champions kind of forces them to redo things a bit. Uh, Charlotte being the women's title holder just adds to the over push. So it's just kind of weird. Uh, I guess we are getting a Io Shirai, uh, Charlotte, uh, Rhea Ripley match, which will be fantastic in its own right. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, a, it's an odd it's not bad. It's just kind of odd at the moment. Um, really, the big news of wrestling in terms of shows was this past Saturday was Double or Nothing. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to finally talk about yeah. it. I know it took us an hour to get in. And I can I can blame myself for my ranting. But, yeah, no, hour in, we're getting some Double nothing. or Nothing in. Um, full stop. I want to hear what's your opinion on the show as a whole. Okay, so... Here we have the first AEW pay-per-view after Revolution. Mm-hmm. First event with limited crowd. Basically seemed to be like close family of the cons and right. maybe some of the wrestlers. And then right. some of the wrestlers actually standing right. ringside-ish. For this so. being the first outing on the other side of such a momentous pay-per-view in Revolution, I felt like they executed their vision flawlessly. This is just another huge win for AEW. Right. As a whole, they kept me the fan guessing all night. Every match, I was like, oh, I know how this is going to go. Guess what? It surprised Mm -hmm. me. You and I both were commenting back and forth about that as we were watching it. 
I think we talked for the majority of the pay per view. I don't think we talked about it during the whole pay per view, but for the most part, we right. were talking. Um, and uh, I want to point out something really quickly that I it it kind of clicked with me while I was watching it. Two things that I wanted to congratulate them for, and one that I think we're kind of learning something that, or at least it proves a point to something that I've thought for a little while. Um, one, they deserve a lot of credit for being able to pivot their storylines because the big thing that they were building up to after Revolution, if you remember, was blood and guts. And yes. we got no blood and guts yet. So they had to change, and having a lot of their talent not be present, the Bucks were not on a show until until uh, Double or Nothing. The, the Dynamite before. Well, no, it was go, the go-home for Double or Nothing, yeah. So they had to really switch up their feuds. They had to switch up what they focused on. And I thought they pivoted very well. They made a lot of really good decisions and a lot of really good. It was a great show for having what could have been rough. The fact that it, it they didn't have as much time to build to it and it wasn't what they initially had intended. I thought the show came off really well. Um, and the point that I thought it kind of proved is that you mentioned uh, Revolution being so momentous. WWE does something that I hate, and that's that they have their pay-per-views monthly. And I feel like there's never a chance for things to build between the two. Like, you feel like you've just gotten over, like, we, got, we just got out of Money in the Bank, and we got Backlash in two weeks. Uh, it was made worse when they had the brand split and they had the brand exclusive pay-per-views. But you look at AEW and they have, what, five a year? Maybe? I know it was a little rough last year when they had the Fighter Fest and they had Fight for the Fallen just kind of treading water until Dynamite launched. But since the launch of Dynamite, we've had All Out, Full Gear, Revolution, Double or Nothing. Yeah. And with about two to three months in between each. Uh, the only other promotion that really does that, major league-wise, is NXT. And I've kind of noticed that we talk about the AEW pay-per-views in the same tone as you do NXT takeovers. There's really something to be said for spacing your, your pay-per-views out. They're better when you do that. When you, you have, have chances to, to let your stories breathe. You have character development. You have tension that main roster doesn't even allow anymore. And I really, really, really would love and wish that WWE would just cut back to the big four again, or even big five, if you want to call it that. If all they had every year was literally Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, uh, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. See, and I would get rid of Money in the Bank and make it King. I can see that. Like I said, I would say big four if you want to call big five with uh, with uh, Money in the Bank. But just think about how much you could build in between those four shows, or five shows if you want to do it that way, and how much better storylines would be on, on, on Raw and SmackDown when you had matches that are feud-enders on those shows. You have stakes on those shows. You have long-form story. They won't, they're never going to do that. This was their chance to kind of do that, and they, they passed on it. But... NXT takeovers and now AEW's pay-per-views are gaining notoriety for how good they are in part because they're not coming at you so fast-paced. I got to think. 
Well, and and you know what? I think another thing that not having pay-per-views every month does is, as a fan, when I'm watching the pay-per-view, they can get me. Mm -hmm. And they can throw me off kilter. You know what I wasn't expecting? Half of the results of the evening. At least. absolutely. And, you know, private party versus best friends on the buy-in. Cool. Great mm-hmm. match. Good show. Love the uh, love the shout out to Shad and JTG. Totally. Yep. Um, great match, and I I think that one was kind of predictable because they've been building best friends a little bit. Well, and Private Party hasn't been on the show in months. Right. So I mean, it makes sense to have them. It makes sense to have the best friends go over there. And again, great match. I love seeing Chuck Taylor getting a chance to actually shine a little bit. That's wonderful. And um, as far as the first it, match is concerned on the main card, I just want to talk about how I knew at one point you were gushing <laughs> in your pants. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and you called it you called it very well. I was very excited to see Brian Cage. I wasn't. It wasn't quite as like, oh my god, I'm surprised. Is they would he was he was a rumored signing a long a while back. I just, it was a surprise to me. It's like, oh shit, I forgot about him. I'm really excited. I'm happy to see it. I love it. I can't believe I forgot about that. Why didn't I think of Cage? Why didn't I not think of that as the mystery guy? I love the, I love the way they presented him to you. I love putting him with Taz. Oh, that's a huge win that for him. That is brilliant. Taz as a manager is brilliant. Dude Do you can know cut what a I'm promo of, and though? he's, uh What's that? I said, do you know what I'm hopeful of, though? What's that? Is that he... Because I feel like I heard this somewhere. Maybe it was on the Chris Van Bleed or something. Brian Cage was on there. And he said one of his dream matches was Taz. Oh, yeah. So, how cool would it be to have Taz come out of retirement to face him? How much do you know of Cage? Out of curiosity. Uh, Like 14%. You should be a fan of his because he's a comic guy. He's a big comic guy. Point of fact, I didn't know that. One of his nicknames is, and I quote, the Swolverine. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I believe with his run in Impact, he actually came out uh, for one of their bigger matches, one of his title matches, in full Weapon X cosplay. That's amazing. Yeah. Dude's a a comic guy. Um, I'm a big fan of his from Lucha Underground. I know I've said that before on this show that I'm a fan of a lot of people from that show. But um, he is kind of of that Keith Lee big guy who should not be able to move as well as he does mold. Uh, a little bit different in the fact that uh, that Keith Lee is just a big offensive lineman-looking dude, whereas Cage looks like an action figure. Dude. But an action figure that can legitimately pull off moonsaults and crazy shit. So, good there. Um, I like the addition of... Uh, of Joey Janela in place of Phoenix. Um, I, I do have to ask, and there's a feud building there between Darby and, uh, and, and cage, uh, based around Taz. And I think that's where they're going. However, if you're Darby Allen, we, we know Darby is a crazy son of a bitch and, and it legitimately crazy, but that spot off the ladder with the skateboard, what, what are you thinking? What what possesses you to actually do that spot? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh yeah. 
it's a ballsy spot, man, for sure. It's he's it's, on the top of the of the of the yeah. tw- like twenty foot ladder or whatever it was, fifteen foot ladder, and uh, jumps off with the skateboard to try to. I don't remember who was on on the I don't ladder either. itself. I don't there it was. May have been. Uh, I, was it I'm completely flawed? But I want to say Kip Sabian. Yeah, I, I think it was Kip Sabian. Yeah, but there's. So, so many ways that spot can go wrong, and so few ways that it can go right. Here's one of the ways it can go wrong, Buckles. When you can very obviously see how gimmicked the ladder is. Oh, yeah. Because they're trying to put it up, and it's already breaking, kind of, and I'm like, right. uh. I mean, there is that, yes. But even so, you can still jam both your legs doing that. Oh, yeah, you totally. You can blow both your knees. Even I mean... To say nothing of the fact that when he hits the ladder, he goes flying like a rag doll with nothing to brace himself with. He's the, the MVP of that match for sure. He took a punishing, they, uh, brutal. Yeah, the, the final spot down. there too, yeah. Real talk, they need to put the title on Darby sooner rather than later because dude's going to take years off of his own career. Seriously. This time next year, he should be champ. I he needs to be because I he's the opposite of the Miz. Miz works a very safe style and will be around forever as long as he wants to be. Darby works a very unsafe style and will be gone quickly. He will be retired due to injury at some point in his career. His career is not going to be a very long one because he takes way too many fucking stupid risks. He's playing I like keeps. Darby Allen. I want to see him win. I love the character. I love watching him. But dude takes so many unnecessary risks and takes so many rough, rough bumps that he is going to shorten his career. Um, Speaking of which, Phoenix not being in the match because he is also a psychotic, crazy motherfucker. Um, And botched his own dive, which ill-advised. And almost, you know, buried himself headfirst into the mat. Could have killed him. Yeah, easily could have gotten himself killed. I'm, I mean, I'm just being real. That was a fucked up spot that could have went really way worse. Yes, and I got into an argument with someone online about that one, actually, on uh, Cage Side, because uh, don't blame Chuck Taylor and, and, and Trent and the guys that were supposed to catch him. Do not blame him for that spot being bad. That was not their fault. They were in position. They were absolutely in position to catch him, and Phoenix fucked his jump up. Yes. All I'm going to say, that's supposed to be a senton. That is supposed to be angled out, landing on the back. He jumped straight up, up into the air, straight vertical. Straight down. Yeah. Well, he he, uh, flipped way too late in that jump, came down much shorter, much more shallow, and straight down vertical on his neck. He is lucky he is not dead. But, yeah. I digress there. Um, real talk, though, the match was awesome. The The ladder match, start to finish, was a lot of fun. The format's interesting. The staggered entry was interesting. Two minutes. I like it. Yeah. Kind of the Royal Rumble meets. Uh, I like having uh, Orange Cassidy in the match because he was funny as shit. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was, it was a blast to do and they followed it with another good match which I believe may have been was it the Cody Archer match next it was the third match but we need yeah. to discuss the winner of the second match 
Oh, was uh, it was a uh, second match was MJF and uh, Jungle Boy, wasn't it? I'm getting my match. No, I meant out. this match. The match we're currently talking oh, about. Oh, sure, sure, won sure, the ladder sure. match. Sure. Um, Tony Khan's actually announced when Cage is getting the shot, didn't he? Did he really? I didn't hear this. I believe so. I think they're actually doing another fighter fest. Interesting. Um, don't quote me on that, but I could swear I read something about Tony Khan actually announcing that. So they're putting him right into the title picture against Mox. I think so. Um, I They've never really explained how that ship was supposed to work, if it was going to be a Money in the Bank thing or not. Yeah, it just so. granted you a title shot, which yeah. seems like they're um, doing it a little bit more professionally and saying, okay, well, he's the next guy up on the on the thing, then he gets you know, thrust the chip to the table first or something. Quick aside, um, something that I've – now that WWE does the money in the bank and that – you know they may not. They may, this may be a one-off ladder match for this ship. That may not be something they do again. They've even said that. Um, you know what? And I've I've harped on them before, and I I know I've kind of I'm getting to be a bit cliche with this, but Lucha Underground had a great take on that concept. Uh, I, and I'm guessing you probably never got to see that. I do not believe so. No. It's called the Gift of the Gods Championship. Um, one of the one of the conceits of the show was that the promoter the uh, authority figure of the show, Dario Cueto, was said to be a promoter. Like he wanted to, like his character was a fight promoter. So they made this title, uh, which they had little seven, like the side plates you would have on a WWE belt. I think there were seven of them on this belt, made up one big belt, and cool. that you had to you had to qualify for a match by winning one of those side plates. You had to have a medallion, and each medallion got to make up this belt. When it was complete, you would have a match for the belt. When you had the belt, you could you, you could trade the belt in for that title shot whenever you wanted, just like a Money in the Bank thing. However, as the Gift of the Gods champion, you were ex- a fighting champion. You were expected to defend that belt. So imagine having a uh, Money in the Bank title that you had to A, qualify f- to win, or qualify for a match to win, and then once you had it, you had to defend it like you would any other title belt until you decided to cash it in. That's amazing. It was a really cool conceit that I wish somebody else would do. I'm telling you, man, you need to go back and watch Lucha Underground because there are so many really cool concepts that that show needs to take from other people. Once I'm finished with the invasion. Um, So what was the second match after the ladder match? It was MJF and Jungle Boy. You're right. Um, I got to say, I was impressed by how much I liked that match. I... uh, I'm never surprised to think that MJF's going to have great character moments, but that's the first time I've seen him have an out-and-out banger of a mat match. Like, a good work rate match. They were very evenly paced. It was amazing to watch them work each mm-hmm. other. Good near falls. Uh, Jungle Boy's a good face. For someone who I don't know that much about prior to AEW, I that's a feud that deserves revisiting here in a couple years for a major title. I love that. Like, that could be your future of your AEW right there. Can I talk about how I'm annoyed by JR a little bit, though? <laughs> Please do. Because he keeps calling him Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Or Jungle Jack, yeah. Or Jungle Jack. Listen, okay, yeah. okay. Both, here, all three. <laughs> here, here's why I'm annoyed with it. Because this is the old Vince being in 
JR's ear, even though Vince isn't in JR's ear. Yeah. This is JR's thinking. Well, the damn kid's the son of Luke Perry, and people should know that. Yeah. They should advertise him as such because he's already famous. Yeah. His name, his name will bring more fame to the character. Could be. But that very he's well trying could be, to yeah. be just Jungle Boy, and calling him Jungle Boy Jack Perry is taking everybody completely the fuck out of it. Yeah. You'll notice that none of the other announcers call him that at all. Yeah. Nope. It's all Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy, mm. Jungle Boy. The only person that calls him fucking Jack Perry is JR. And while JR was on yeah. fire. He was he was having trouble that night, yeah. At double or nothing. He said some great shit and he said some weird, bad, off colored, wrong yeah. timing things. You can definitely tell that there's no one in their ear. That, that that's all legitimate, like off the cuff shit all between all three of them. Um, and I'll touch on it a little bit later on during the main event. I love Shivani. Shivani has been the best thing. I, I, as much as I enjoy Excalibur, and I always have, Shivani is like my favorite commentator for them right now because you can tell he is having the time of his fucking life. Shivani stoked a speculation flame. I did see that too. I did see that. A uh, couple speculations actually with with uh, very similar things. Do you want to touch on that now? You want to jump into that real quick before we go on? Sure, because it, it, I mean... It's not really, it doesn't really tie into anything else for Double or Nothing, but it's something worth mentioning. Well, Tony Schiavone had a picture of him and Nyla on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And in the background of that picture was Adam Cole, baby. Mm-hmm. And then the picture got taken down and then re-uploaded with Adam Cole, not in right. the picture. And really, it, it, it should be a non-story because he's dating Britt Baker. Why shouldn't he be there? You know, it's at a party. It's at a party that Tony Khan threw for his wrestlers after the fact, or for Memorial Day. Correct. So, however, yeah, WWE has banned. Okay, because Britt was recently on the AEW Unrestricted mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. and told some of her story. Uh, she talked about how WWE banned. Uh, Adam Cole from coming to any of the AEW events. Banned him and then relented, at least. Sort of. Yeah. Can't be uh, and he had to watch um, one of the pay-per-views from the hotel. Mm-hmm. And they obviously had the snafu with Britt on screen. Right. But the other thing that's in, uh, very interesting is that Britt said something that just stands out in my brain meets. Especially with what year we're in, and I'm going to get there in a second. Mm-hmm. So, Britt said that Adam Cole belongs with the Young Bucks, with Cody, with Kenny Omega, with it Adam Page. Yeah. It, I think in a perfect world, he probably would be. Yeah. And here's the train of our existence to throw its two cents in the fucking show. Right. It's obnoxiously loud. Thank you very much. But anyways... The thing is, is that Adam Cole, when he signed to WWE in 2017, signed a three-year deal. Oh, I know. That three there's, years there's is There's lots of speculation coming from this. You know, huh? I, so there's a ton of speculation from this that he could easily be looking at a contract coming up. And, and yeah, and there's no more natural place for him to go if that contract does go up. The question is, is WWE going to let him go? 
And I I can't think of any world where WWE is going to let him go right now. I think it just depends on what Adam Cole wants. And let me explain that. No, I you're absolutely right. Because if if Adam Cole wants to still be the dude on top, still wants to be the, the guy and everything, mm-hmm. he stays with NXT and he lets them roll the dice and they make the Undisputed Era legendary and he gets called up eventually and blah, right. blah, there's a heel turn, something or other, he leaves the group. You know, there's a long history with Adam Cole. Right. Or he could be a very beautiful lightning-in-a-bottle wrestler that had a three-year run, went to the highest level of of stardom within a new fledgling thing they really wanted to do well, even though it wasn't that new, but really it's still in its infancy, NXT. Right, right. And he can go out on top and then almost play exactly what he's always wanted, which is to be the the best heel and go back home with his friends, the elite, who can tell really amazing stories and who have the longevity of the real wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. To and say nothing of the fact that his girlfriend works there, too. It's just, it's it's hard, man. It's very difficult. I... There's there's so many reasons to want him to go to AEW and to see how like you know what if and how many good things can come of it. I absolutely believe that. However, you're right. It does come down to what Adam Cole wants. It absolutely does. However, I can also see WWE absolutely backing up the Brinks truck to his house to keep him because they don't. Yeah, I think they booked him well enough. They had him go over over Daniel Bryan clean clean as a sheet before uh, Survivor Series and then had him go over in a marquee match over Pete Dunne, who they're also very high on, uh, at Survivor Series. God, that was a great couple weeks of wrestling. Yes, it was. They're very high on him, or at least Triple H is extremely high on him, and the fact that they booked him so well on his own right at Survivor Series when they didn't have to at all you know, they didn't have to put an NXT title match there at all. But that shows me that Vince is high on him as well. And when Vince is high on you, you don't take chances with that. So, I mean, I can see, yeah, if if AEW was around before uh, Cole went to NXT, I think he'd be in AEW right now. Absolutely. Wouldn't have ever even sniffed WWE. This point, though, it's up to him. It's absolutely up to him what he wants. But WWE is not going to make that an easy choice for him. Yeah, but I think I, I don't he's kind him. of he, he seems Adam Cole seems like the kind of guy, and I don't know him personally from shit, but he does kind of seem like the kind of guy that has his his compass of what he wants, mm-hmm. and money's not everything, you know. Money's not everything, I, but. I, can you I, also I, turn? Can you turn against the uh, the promotion that puts you as their top star for the longest, the longest running champion ever that they've had? Well, I guess it just depends. And and this goes back to again, Adam Cole. What do you want? What do you want your legacy mm-hmm. to be? Does he want to be the de facto? I mean, Adam Cole showing up on AEW Dynamite is a game changer. It is because he, the also, start he of already whole thing, changed the game in NXT too. The champ. It is, it's a game changer, but you can argue he already did that. I, you know, you're already the top dog in some place, and you're uh, 
there's a good chance of you being given the keys to the kingdom you know, down the road if they continue booking you the way they do. You know, is there's an inherent risk to going to AEW. Maybe you don't get over as well there. It's a, it's a long shot that you don't, but, you know, you're leaving a really good thing to do that. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying I think it's a bad idea for him to do so. I just don't think it's gonna happen. It's it's right now. That's why it's speculation because it's impossible to know what is exactly gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't think we can fully take. We can't take this Wednesday Night War era and compare it to the Monday no. Night Wars and say, oh, these things are destined to happen. Right. We don't know. Um, I do also want to point out there's another bit of uh, a little bit of uh, spoiling going on in. Uh, Shivani's Instagram uh, oh. with Britt. There's a picture of uh, of him and Britt and Cody, um, Mike Tyson, a couple other people. Um, and it's a little bit noteworthy because uh, this is coming off the heels of uh, Britt announcing or them announcing that Britt might be out for like six months. Uh, She's not wearing no a knee, knee brace, brace not a bruise on her, nothing. Kind of makes you wonder if this might be a little bit of a work. Now, I don't think the spot that supposedly hurt her was a work by any stretch. That was nasty. It looked bad. But the injury angle might be a little work. We'll see. <laughs> Playing a little WWE on us, huh? They might have been a, they might be gaming us a little bit, turning the shoot into a work. Oh, um, and then they worked their shoot into a shoot uh, and worked the yeah, work yeah, into brother. a work shoot. Yeah. Uh, we need to keep jamming through this. We're an hour and a half in, man. Fuck yeah, let's party. <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit about uh, MJF and, and uh, Jungle Boy, mostly in, in terms of JR, but I do want to talk about the match just briefly, that it was a really, really well-done match. Um, underrated, uh, Jungle Boy is very underrated seller. The And one of the few things I think I have against MJF is he oversells at times. But, man, his sell of the, uh, was it the um, Destroyer on the apron? Oh my god, that was amazing! The way he—I mean, that was a hell of a bump, but his sell was flawless. Um, I do love that. I love uh, MJF going over because Jungle Boy sold his arm the whole way through, and he, Jungle Boy came out of it looking very good. Totally looks like an, a legit star in his own right. So I, I he, he almost beats MJF one-handed. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be perfectly honest. Wrestling match wise, that may have been my favorite match of the night. It was awesome. Yes, it was. Um, and then you follow it, I believe, it was Cody Archer next, right? Correct. And uh, a lot of drama going in. Um, Mike Tyson being there, you and I talked about it. It's its own drama. And we both called that he was going to get involved in some way, shape, or form. But uh, Cody's matches all kind of follow the same pattern of being really. Over dramatic and really shenanigany, if that's a word. Um, and this one was no different. You have yeah, you could play the Benny Hill music and speed up the clips of the match, and it would actually yeah. kind of work. Like you can pretty much assume that any time Cody is in some kind of a marquee match, you're going to get interference. You're going to get some sort of drama from you know blading or blood or from you know, somebody threatening to throw in a towel or run in or somebody getting tossed from ringside. Like, he's always going to have some kind of chicanery going on. And that's not bad. His stories are always great. It's just that you kind of know what you're getting into with a Cody match. And Archer 
played this like a total monster, which was wonderful. Um, I absolutely did not call Cody winning. Same. I didn't uh, think I'm, it made I'm, any damn sense. I, I think it makes sense. I kind of rationalized it afterwards. I think I said something to you on, on Messenger about it that it makes sense in the in the idea that Cody is not the top star. He's not the main title holder, but he's in a position where he can elevate other people now. Yes. He can wrestle a guy like, if you want to do Sean Spears again, and make him look like a killer. Make him look relevant for something that actually has stakes. Those good stories that Cody's good at telling can elevate other people very easily. Look what it did for MJF. So now you put him in a kind of a mid-card. You don't want to call it a mid-card because it's a TV title and they're not treating it like a mid-card title. But in all reality, that's what it is. And they can use it to elevate guys into the main event and elevate them to higher positions on the card. Think about what happens if Jungle Boy challenges him or Darby, you know? Think of uh, a feud with somebody like like Ray Phoenix. Or, hell, give me a... Joey Janela... Cody. Yeah, Janela. Absolutely. That's a great uh, version of it. Um, that could be your feud that really makes uh, Kip Sabian. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of ways you can go with that. Jimmy Havoc. There's a lot of people you can elevate Love with that. Love the suit, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Archer, I think, doesn't really lose a whole lot, even though he loses the feud. He still came off like an absolute monster. Um. They presented him better in AEW than New Japan ever did. I'm happy for that. Um, any other thoughts you want to add to it? Uh, okay, so this match was gruesome. Lots of bumps, lots of violence. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, you know, Tyson at ringside. I hate the belt. I'm just gonna say it. Well, Even did you hear? If did you hear what they were the finalized design with the gold? Yeah, I still. I hate think it'll that be belt. better. I don't like the giant TNT logo, but that's what it's called, so whatever. That's not why I hate the belt. I hate the belt because it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look like a belt that I would listen to me. If mm-hmm. it, if the minute I see your new title, I go, fuck, I need that, you've made a good belt. That's the fair. minute I see your title, I start laughing because it's that bad. That's a problem, and I don't care if the if, if JR and Excalibur and fucking... Mm-hmm. Shivani, the Shivaninator, are out there t- selling me up and down. This isn't the finished product, folks. Don't worry. Right. I, the belt looks like shit. I'm just going to cut I, it to you. I don't like it. In all honesty, I'm not really a big fan of any of AEW's belts. <clears throat> no, I love the world title and the tag titles. but that's Tag it. titles are all right. They just don't really say much to me. The the main title is it's just oddly shaped to me for some reason I just don't I've never been a big fan. It looks almost overdone. Um the women's belt looks like a toy flat out. Yep. It's too small. Yep. Like I like the design it's fine but it's it's tiny. It needs to be bigger. Um if I yeah. Honestly, there there is one really, really, really good looking belt right now to me, and that's the uh, UK Championship. Oh, the NXT UK title. Yes. Yeah, you, that you have said that several times belt. over. Gorgeous belt. The rest of them are. Eh. Um, but I wanted to say one last thing about the sure. Archer match, real quick. Sure. There's one back to back spot where I think what was it? Cody hit the DDT. 
yes. on Archer. Yes. And then Archer hit the spine buster on Cody. Yep. The DDT oh, right in man. front of Roberts and then uh and it was a it was a it was a uh Roberts style DDT too. Like he did the Brutal full flat hit. back drop Just, on it. It was I great. Mean, There's that was some pretty cool gamesmanship. I, I appreciate that. I loved it. Um and I'm hoping that's not the last we see of Roberts with Archer. I think they need to keep the two of them together for a while. Oh, for sure. Um, was the next match, was that Nyla and uh, Sheeta, or was that Statlander and uh, uh, Penelope Well, the Ford? next thing we got was the Britt Baker update, then the Statlander match. Okay. And I, I, I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Statlander and Ford because it was thrown in at the last minute. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just an all right match. It, well, there's nothing against either of those l- ladies. Both of them, I, as much as I love Statlander, she's still kind of rough around the edges. Um, and Penelope Ford's still really green to me. Um, she's botched quite a few times in matches in AEW. And I, she's got great potential, but she's still got a ways to go in my mind. And there's a couple really nasty-looking spots there. Uh, there's a... Uh, Hurricane Rana at one point where she almost legit spikes Statlander. Um, yep. The Nyla versus Sheeta match was very good. And unexpected very, yet very again. Good. Yeah, that I did not call at all. Um, really, it made more sense. I think it made a little bit of sense. I kind of rationalized it afterwards, but at the moment, I did not call Sheeta winning. Um. Awesome. And I do. I will say that I do think it's after some thinking, it's the right call. And I think they kind of got backed into a corner a little bit. Um, for one thing, Nyla's been a great heel. She's been a very good heel. She had one hundred and one day reign as women's champ. Right. It's kind of weird to see her lose the title in her first defense or close to her first defense. But a, I'm kind of wondering if there was a little bit of behind the scenes, like she didn't want to wrestle that much which you and I kind of talked about back and forth ourselves. But after some thinking, um, think about who's left on the roster right now. Who's on the women's roster in AEW? Britt, Nyla, Sheeta, Statlander, Penelope Ford. That's pretty much the only five you have. Yep. Right? Um, people like Shayna, people like Brie Priestley, uh, and Riho are all out overseas. on visa. Yeah. Um, technically, she had big swole. She was she was at ringside, so I gotta assume she's available. She swole, wrestle, who was but... getting some shots taken at her. Yeah, but I think there's. It's easier to do matches where you have a face champion, when you have that small of a sample size or that small of a group. Um, it's easier to do face versus face matches than it is heel versus heel to me. Understandable, so, yeah. You can put a if you have a face holding the championship, she can feud with any of the above. Whereas Nyla is just going to feud with faces, and she's already beaten Statlander. So, I thought initially going in they were going to have Nyla win somehow dirty to extend the feud with Sheeta until they can get more people around to have more options at stories. But by having Sheeta win, you can have matches with. With Baker, you can have matches with uh, with Nyla Rose. You can have matches with uh, Penelope Ford that are all traditional heel versus face. But a feud with Statlander as the other face character isn't really that rough. It's not that uh, tough a sell 
you can just say it as you know worthy challenge or something like that. So it gives them Sheeta being the champion gives them a few more options uh, with their limited roster than I think having Nyla. If that makes sense, it makes total sense. So after thinking about it a little bit, it kind of made more sense for them to take it off of her. It still didn't take away the shock moment, uh, especially. You know, you and I had mentioned Hanakamura earlier. She was friends with her. So seeing her win the title and you could tell there was a lot of emotion from her that day. Correct. And you could see it on her face as well. So there's some there's some definitely behind the scenes going as well as well. Um, and Nyla can come back and challenge anytime she needs to. That's going to be a feud we see revisit, I'm sure. Uh, props to her for taking the kendo stick to the dome. <laughs> that was a brutal shot. Yeah. Um, like usually you would think she gets it to the shoulder, but no, that pretty much hit her right in the temple. <laughs> um, there was a, that was a lot more hardcore than I expected it to be. Even with a no DQ step, I figured they would still go kind of hard, but man, they didn't pull anything. That was really cool. Um, and then you go from one hard hitting match to God Moxley and Brody Lee, who legitimately beat the piss out of each other. <laughs> Over here being Idaho farmers. Yeah, a little shade from uh, JR throwing about uh, potatoes. But, man, I'm I'm a fan. Uh, I've always been, a, I've talked about it on the show before, I'm a Brody Lee Mark, always have been. I'm not really a fan of the exalted one Brody Lee character. The Mr. Brody Lee, I, I get where he's coming from, even though he claims it's not a McMahon shot. It absolutely is. But... I love watching the dude in the ring. Um, and, man, the two of them just beat the snot out of each other, and I love it. I'm here for it. What did you think of that final spot in the ramp? Um, You know, it's been done. Um, you know, you think back to Bam Bam Bigelow and, uh, and uh, Rob Van Dam doing it. Or, no, yes. uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Taz. Excuse me, Bam Bam and Taz uh, doing that most notably. Um, the only thing that bothered me about the spot itself, I mean, you you go from thinking that the ramp's metal to, oh, yeah, it's wood right there. Oh, that's a little, takes me out of it just a little bit. But um, when Mox does the DDT off the stairs, it was kind of rough because he didn't get the full extension on Brody. That's a, it was a little more dangerous than I thought it probably could have been. Like, um, he... It wasn't so much of a DDT as he just kind of drug him by the head down to the floor. Oh, yeah. Do you think Brody bladed under there? Because he came up bloody. Yeah. Uh, that seemed like a blade job to me. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I dig uh, dig him kicking out of the paradigm shift at one. And then that having to get awesome. choked out. Like, he came off like a fucking monster towards the end there. And that was, you need that. Real talk, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be averse to seeing a Brody Lee Lance Archer feud down the road somewhere. Oh my God, sign me up! You'd have to you'd have to do some cartwheels to get the uh, alignments right and get the story in there. But I'd definitely be up for a fight. You could start that story right the fuck now, bro. Brody's coming off a loss. He's trying to recruit new blood. He finds Lance Archer, who just is coming off a loss. He's trying to recruit Lance Archer, who's his own monster, and he goes, "No, I'm not gonna." Join I mean, your bullshit. It, you, can, you can script the reason for them to have a fight, but if you want to do the full story, 
like I said with Nyla, it's it's a little harder to do uh, heel versus heel feuds. So you're unless right. you plan on turning one of them, which I don't think you want to do with either of them, I hang on to it for just a little bit. Okay, um, I like that. I do think it's kind of cool that uh, when AEW started, there was a bit of a knock against them for not having a whole lot of big guys. You know what I mean? That At this time last year. Quick. Yeah, they've done a good job of actually answering that. Uh, it used to be that most everybody there was the Adam Cole, you know, buck size. When, they, when Moxley is one of the bigger guys on your roster, Moxley's not a small guy by any stretch, but he doesn't look like a fucking giant. But he made the roster look like small. But now they've added Hager, they've added, you know, uh, Brody Lee, they've added Archer, Luther. they've added Cage, they've added Wardlow. You know, those are all big dudes. And uh, that's another fight I'd love to see is Wardlow and uh, Cage get into it because those two are going to be – that's a rock'em, sock'em, fucking robots fight. Luchasaurus, Lance Archer. Luchasaurus, that's another name, yeah. Um, there's a lot of There's a lot of beef. They found some beef, which is good. Hell yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Mox and, uh, Mox and Brody? Uh, no, I just think that it's good that you keep Moxley on the upward trend. Brody Lee just got into the company. Yeah. Having him get knocked down a peg, I mean, it's kind of the AEW move. Like, here's your title shot. You're not going to win because you're not. Right. You haven't leveled up, young Padawan. You have to go, like, Darby Allen getting a well, title I mean, shot very early on in Dynamite. Right. They were kind of in a rough spot with who to challenge Mox with. And I think that, again, they kind of had to audible a little bit because there really wasn't a, a feud for him right away. That that one ramped up really fast. Yeah. Like, that um, was a, about a three-week-long feud. So I think that one, I don't know if that was the initial idea. That may, there may have been some, some finagling behind the scenes for that before deciding to go with Brody. Or maybe they always planned with Brody. They just didn't decide on the angle right away. But we'll see. Um, Interesting if he he fucks Mox out of the title and Brian Cage ends up winning by that could way. Be. Could be. And then so then he's got he can because then you know Brian Cage is this monster who's the champ now. Oh great, everybody's got to chase him. Right. But then you also have Moxley getting drugged into this feud that has nothing to do with the title, and he's pissed. Right. That you just took the only thing that I actually care about. You'll notice there's a there's a long history of Moxley of John Moxley the character even back into the CZW days is that when he uh, if you take something that he thinks is his that has always been his uh, kind of motivating factor he's got a lot he's built a lot of feuds around that it's like calling uh, Marty McFly chicken yeah it's gonna set him off yeah um. I don't even know if we really want to touch too much on Dustin and Sean Spears. There's not really much there. It was a comedy bit for five minutes. It was fun. Led... Funny, kind of expected, you know. Well, I don't I think anybody I expected liked, to see. I like uh, Sean Spears doing the fake rib with the music. I, I I honestly dug the from Dynamite the week before the Sean Spears CNN thing. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I, I That's something I would like to see more of. I thought that was the most charisma he's shown. Um. I think they've kind of given up on the idea of him being a serious threat for the moment. You don't have somebody you want to take as a serious threat, get his ass bared for a pay-per-view crowd, and then have uh, you know, Tully Blanchard's face on your dick. That's just not a good look. Near. That's a comedy bit. <laughs> um, shout out really quickly, something I missed when we were talking about the ladder match. 
did you catch Janela's uh, little uh, slip of the tongue? No. I can't remember what spot it was. Uh, he got dumped. I think it may have been Cage. Uh, got decked with something. And when Janela rolls off the mat and rolls off screen, you hear it go, you fucking motherfucker. <laughs> like, clear <laughs> as a bell. Oh, that's awesome. It's it's absolutely Janela. Um, yeah, the Spears thing, I, they're, I think they're giving up on him as a serious guy for the time being. Maybe they'll build him up again, but right now he's straight up comedy at this point. Um, which I'm isn't bad, it, but yeah, is what it is. Um, but really the whole show is, is building up to the one match and the match that everybody's going to remember the show for isn't going to be MJF and Jungle Boy. It's not going to be Mox and Lee. It's not going to be, you know, Sheeta and Nyla. All great stuff. All wonderful stuff we've talked about. But the show is going to be remembered for Stadium Stampede. Please and walk us through the glory that was the Stadium I, Stampede match. I don't know where to begin. Honestly, like they announced it. This, this has only been a thing for a week now, or maybe two weeks. Uh, Jericho announced we're going to challenge you to a stadium stampede match. Nobody knew what the hell that was. It's just an empty stadium match is what we're being told. A lot of people guessed it was going to be a pre-recorded segment. Right. I mean, it was basically the idea that you're going to have a match in the stadium. That's that's all we were told. And a lot of people guessed it's probably going to be pre-taped correctly. But I don't think anybody really anticipated the shenanigans we were going to see. Maybe when you add in Matt Hardy, that kind of gives you a little bit of a red flag, but all things being equal, this was a, I I commented on Twitter that this was at once the greatest street fight ever and the greatest comedy match ever at the same time. It's a pretty hard thing to accomplish. Yeah, it, it was... I was interested in it, but from the moment that they cut to the stadium, you had the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders and the drum line and the mascot all out there, and they're doing the pyro, and the inner circle runs out wearing football gear. I'm sold. I am 1,000% behind anything we're getting from this point on because we are already down the path of, oh, dear God, this is crazy. (laughs) This is this is going to be something wild. And you have the inner circle, and then you have the elite announced. They all come out in their regular gear, except Paige is gone. We don't know where Hangman Page is. Kenny assures us, oh, he'll be here. He'll be here for sure. And then they ring the bell. They're, mat- they're nowhere near the ring. They're on opposite ends of the field, which has been painted with their respective logos in the end zones because, of course, they are. And go all out, go all out. They they ring the bell when they're on the opposite ends of the field, and then you just see this Lord of the Rings Battle of Pelennor Fields where they're just charging across the field at each other with weapons. Kenny's awesome. got the broom. There's there's a trash can. And they just beat each other up for five minutes before they even make it into the ring. And then they stay in the ring for all of a minute and a half. And then we get all hell breaking loose because, by God, here comes Hangman Page on a fucking horse. Amazing. And we are off to the races. 
Ooh, I like that you just said off to the races after saying the word horse. You have and the the beauty of it to me was there's so many callbacks to previous bits or spots or angles throughout the match and they split it up. They didn't just have everybody at one spot. They didn't follow the matches that progressed from one area to another. They had everybody go their own separate ways. You had Hangman chase uh, Sammy Guevara into the concourse and then just disappear. You have Hardy versus the uh, the uh, Proud and Powerful, which I'll get to in a moment. You had the Jacksons versus Hager and, and Jericho. It all kind of split up into its own different sections and all played out beautifully. Uh, to I'm I'm gonna try to remember this all from from just in no way shape or form is this in order. You have Matt Jackson moonsaulting off the goalpost. You that was have a fucking crazy spot. You have the uh, callback to Matt Hardy getting locked in the ice chest when he locks Santana in the ice chest and disappears him for the match. But before that, you have the pool of reincarnation. You have Ortiz going, I can't swim, as he's comically backs into three feet of water. <laughs> and then you get the dunking Matt Hardy, and the, he reverts to version one, and then to Big Bunny Matt. And even the, the ridiculousness of having the Matt facts on the side that Ortiz and Santana can read. Can they even mention that we can see it. And... They threatened to drown the man. Like they said, let's fucking kill him. You have... Matt Hardy uh, can hold his breath for 385 seconds. Yes. You have... Uh, the Chair of Wheels makes a reappearance. You have... And then you go back to Hangman, who's, of course, in the bar. With and Hager. Hager, they have a moment where they both drink some whiskey, talk for a second, and then have a legit bar fight. With the pool cues and with the the doctor bomb onto the slate table, with the running down the bar to break in however many fucking bottles over Hager's head. He did to that Kenny. buckshot lariat over the bar. Oh God, the buckshot lariat over over Omega into the bar, and then giving Hangman or Hangman giving Omega the glass of milk. It's beautiful. That was it's beautifully awesome. ridiculous and violent at the same time. And then you get full-on ridiculous with Jericho, which i that's where it completely lost me into just cackling madly, was with Jericho getting A, uh, elbowing the, uh, the mascot, taking the mascot out, to the near fall with Aubrey Edwards, and Jericho pulling a flag out and challenging the, two, the near fall, to them going under the, under the fucking hood. I actually screamed out in my infinite joy, where the fuck did he get a flag? <laughs> yes. Like, I, it was brilliant. You had Jericho get run over by the line painter. Hangman just runs him over and paints the line up, up his chest. And then you top it all off by Sammy. Or no, I can't. didn't even touch on Sammy getting a uh, german or uh, Northern Lights from one one end zone to the other. 100 yards and Northern Lights suplex. Beautifully intercut and just so ridiculous and over the top. And then you have the wonderful callback of, oh, my God, here's the golf cart, Sammy, run. 
the golf cart that they almost killed you with. You see the look on his face is, oh my god, it's he the got golf over cart that again. Wall so fucking fast. Oh yeah, and, and like the the expression on Sammy's face sells the entire thing. And then you cap the whole thing off. This this cornucopia of just ridiculous and wonderful and funny and brutal and and violent and hilarious and amazing with did they really just one-winged angel Sammy Guevara off the concourse 20 feet down amazing what i mean even with the, even knowing full well there's a crash pad there you you know it's there what a spot and made even better when they showed on uh, being the elite recently because they show another angle of it. That you really see how fucking far that was. That's a twenty-five foot drop almost. It's a long way down. That's a long way to land on your fucking head. But I, I cannot undersell or oversell. I cannot oversell how amazing this match was. And it actually it reminded me of something that you had said yourself. Uh, I actually thought of this after the show ended. Uh, you had made the comment after WrestleMania that one takeaway from this whole empty arena era we're going to look back on is this is the point when wrestling embraced the ridiculous. They embraced the humor. Oh, yeah, And they benefited from it at every turn. Look at the, at the all these pre-tape matches, all of the, the cinematic matches, the Boneyard uh, being probably the only outlier, but the Boneyard, the Firefly Funhouse, the Money in the Bank match, and now this, now the, the Stadium Stampede. Um, every one of them, short of the Boneyard, embraced silliness at some points, embraced the comedy, and even really the Boneyard re- embraced the ridiculousness at times. Oh, It was absolutely. over the top. But, and every one of them has been awesome. So, if nothing else, we've learned that you can present wrestling, which is, you know, you look at things like Taker and HBK or Michaels and and Flair, when it's done right, seriously, it's beautiful. It's legitimately beautiful. But it can be taken seriously and, and wonderfully so. But you can also embrace the comedic factor. You can embrace the ridiculousness of it, and and a wink and nod nod to the audience, and still come out with an amazing product. That's well, something I think that they've that not it done. Makes, it makes wrestling fun again because it's like it does. It does. In the old days of wrestling, the wrestlers were kayfabe, and you couldn't you you, you know mm-hmm. you were self aware at every turn of what you were in public. And now, because there is no public, there is no visiting people in the world. Almost well and truly dead in its own ways. Yeah, but they found a way to not necessarily kayfabe, but they've gone the opposite direction, where rather than protecting the sanctity of the characters and protecting the the conceit that it's real at all costs even with the ridiculous characters, they're leaning into winking in, at the audience and, and laughing at the fact that, yeah, this is all bullshit, right? 
Like, this is, we know you're in on the joke, too. And WWE is is, uh, surprisingly proven very good at it, more than I would have expected. AEW, I'm not as surprised because being the elites already on the forefront of that, um, of having the reality blurred with the kayfabe and the fourth wall breaking there. Sure, 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 sure. So, I mean, they've already proven that they know how to handle that aspect. So seeing that with the stadium stampede wasn't as much of a surprise as it probably could have been. Um, so I, I give WWE a little credit more to surprising me in that regard. But for both of them to really show what that aspect can add to wrestling and how much fun it can make it again. It's something I hope that they don't lose once this all ends. I agree. Uh, I really enjoyed the Stadium Stampede match. I felt there were so many fun little moments. You you nailed almost all the ones that were in my brain of, like, just awesome. and, and I'm sorry if I kind of ran over the whole thing, didn't give you a chance to gush, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. I'm, like, a little scattered because, you know, unbeknownst to you, I had trouble watching the stadium stampede match because my internet fucked up. Literally, we lost right. internet for like an yeah. hour and a half. So, I didn't get to enjoy it in real time nearly as much, and I saw you know, parts of it, but um, I need to go back and really sit down and watch the whole front to finish. It's... Yeah. In, in my mind, it's going to be a match that's remembered for a very long time. Sweet. This may be one of the matches that AEW can look back on and really hang its hat on as one of its marquee matches early on in its, its tenure. It's weird, too, because Stadium Stampede match definitely sounds like a Chris Jericho invention. Oh, absolutely. Because he's well, the master of, of alliteration. So I'm well, you think like, of Stampede, you think of the Bunkhouse Stampede matches, the, yes. the Heart Dungeon and that kind of thing, the Calgary Stampede. Hell you know? yeah. You th- that's immediately what you think of. So, of course, it came from Jericho. But yeah, that all all things there. That is to me. If you look at the great AEW matches that, that are going to be considered noteworthy, you know, ten fifteen years from now, you're going to remember Cody and Dustin. You're always going to remember that match. You're going to remember the tag team match between the Young Bucks and Omega and Page. One of the greatest tag team matches ever. But I think you're going to remember the Stadium Stampede match in that same breath. Fuck yes. So, ah, man. All in all, this was an amazing card. AEW proves yet Mm -hmm. again why they are positioning themselves to be the best in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I mean, you're working with what you got. It's interesting to note that Cody said uh, 95% of the show was the show they planned. Mm Mm-hmm. Before all of this, um, I want to touch on something real quick. Just you made me think of this a minute ago when you mentioned that you that AEW is what you believe to be the best brand. I don't something I've kind of wanted to address on the show really fast uh, for a little while. That I'm not going to come out and say that I think AEW is better uh, is empirically better or you know um, is uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, categorically better or um, I don't even know what the right word is. Strictly better. 
than sure. WWE. Um, it's it's something that I've kind of clued in on looking at message boards, looking at Twitter, looking at uh, fan response. Is that there's a lot of we call it the Wednesday Night War for a reason. There is a lot of animosity at times between AEW and WWE's fans, and you see a lot of people that still are WWE loyalists to the bone and just completely discredit AEW. And you see a lot of people that are AEW fans that because it's the new school and it's the new flavor that automatically hate everything WWE does. And something I want to point out for our for our show that we talk a lot about AEW and we usually talk about them in a lot more glowing reference than we do with WWE. And deservedly so. I think it's because WWE is at a point right now where a lot of the stuff it does is not helping itself. WWE's kind of become a monster too big for its own britches at times. Um, but I don't want to fault anybody for enjoying one more than the other. I wouldn't call AEW perfect by any means. They do stuff that I question. Um, some of their production doesn't make a whole lot of sense and there's stuff that annoys the shit out of me. Cody Cody annoys the shit out of me at times. But I don't I don't want us to come across as being um more slanted one way than the other, I guess. That makes sense. No, man, it does make sense. And I think that we are kind of fair to both brands because we like a lot of things in both brands. And I think you mm-hmm. hit the nail on the head saying that n- neither show is perfect because that's not that's true. Mhm. There, there are things that all wrestling companies are not perfect, right? You know, but you, you, I guess when I am currently critiquing AEW, I'm looking at them as this little tiny stupid baby vampire who's new in the world and doesn't know right. anything and doesn't really know how to drink blood, but for some reason keeps finding <laughs> the perfect source of blood. So and, by by that comparison, is Vince the old ancient vampire that's? Uh, completely long in the tooth and needs to be gone yeah he's the guy that they call (laughs) baron and you think he's a baron but really he's not a baron at all it's a nickname they use to make fun of him because he couldn't have kids he also may he also may legitimately be undead we don't know (laughs) it it could be man you saw him in his office and uh money Uh, in the bank yeah get Um, out i just i don't want to come across as being slanted towards one or the other I think AEW gets a lot of praise right now, and rightfully so from both of those, because they do more right than they do wrong. And WWE right now is in a position where they're struggling to get everything right. And Correct. Part of it is also because WWE is in a higher profile, so what the wrong that they do is more amplified than the right that, w, that AEW gets. Like, you're more inclined to give AEW the benefit of a doubt Whereas WWE has got such a bright spotlight on it because of how big it is that it's easier to point out the flaws and they're a lot more glaring because of it. No, I absolutely agree. There's also a lot more history of them fucking up too, so Yeah, I mean WWE has burned us before. Yeah. That's the difference. They burned us before with that's bad true. angles. Yeah. I think that's uh AEW that's has not had a Katie Vick angle yet, thankfully. Oh god. <laughs> Say no to katievick.com. Oh, oh God, that was such a gross, fucked-up storyline. I can't believe Kane let them do for him. Anyways, but uh, all in all, I thought um, Double or Nothing was like a a four-and-a-half-star, four-star up there pay-per-view. I'd say it's it's 
about as good as you can hope it to be, honestly. Um, I ranking the AEW pay per views at this point. I I'm. It feels weird to say this, and I'm going to say this with a grain of salt, but I have a hard time going back and comparing it to Revolution right now because Revolution feels like it was ten years ago. Oh, the world's so it's fucked like up in the last three entirely. months. That, yeah, it feels like Revolution and Full Gear were years and years and years ago because of how fucked up everything is right now. So it's hard to to think back to what happened then. Almost like I have to actually put effort into thinking. Oh yeah, what was on that show? Okay, yeah, this, that, and the other. Okay, gotcha. As opposed to remembering like the back of my hand, like I should. Not to say anything. That means nothing to discredit the show at all so much so as it's just the world's gone to hell since then <laughs> totally Ugh. but uh buckles anything else we want to add before we get on out of here uh no i think we're good okay well i'll bring us on home as always you folks can check out journey into wrestling right here on the journey into comics network get us on apple music Podbean, stitcher radio cast box tune in many others just search journey into comics network we're one amazing community of friends making podcasts all around the U.S. Please check us out at journeyintocomics.com. I think that's going to do it for this week. Buckles, thank you so much yet again for joining me for Journey Into Wrestling. Not a problem, man. This has any- been Journey Into Wrestling Season 4, Episode 18, Rushing Your Chips to the Table. I've been Nate. Still Buckles, still wearing masks, still wearing uh, gloves. Say, stay safe. Wash your damn hands as always. And, and wear a fucking mask. What's up? And said, and wear a fucking mask. Wear a you fucking pansies. mask. Don't be a dumbass. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. Later. <laughs>